You're listening to the Epic All Day Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I'm here to help you make your life epic, so let's get rolling with the show. Hey everybody, it's Jim. Just want to let you know that I changed the name of the podcast to the Epic All Day Podcast from the Make Life Epic Podcast. We've got some really cool events and some coaching stuff coming up um, that I'm going to be launching soon, and it's all under the Epic All Day brand, so I wanted the podcast to match. But don't worry, I'm still going to be talking about the same stuff. I will, I will try to swear a little less for all of you, and I truly, 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 truly appreciate the feedback and the emails and the nice reviews and the nice emails um, that you guys have sent my way. And thank you so much. I really, you will, you'll never know how much um, you listening to the show really means to me. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'll talk to you soon. And let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Epic All Day Podcast. I'm Jim Simcoe. Thanks for hanging out today. And as you know, I did change the name of the podcast uh, a few days ago. So you may have noticed a new logo and a new name. It's now the Epic All Day Podcast. It used to be the Make Life Epic Podcast. We've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. So I figured we'd change the name. Anyway, so today's topic is all about starting over. So this is something that is sort of near and dear to my heart and something that I've thought a lot about. And I was reading something this morning and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just run to the office and record sort of a stream of consciousness podcast about how to start over. This is one of the things that seems to come up for a lot of people um, once they're over 35 or once they're, you know, sort of once they've gotten a little settled in life and they want to, they want to make some changes. So these are just some tips. I've been in this situation before. I've started over in my career several times. And um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what worked for me, what didn't work for me. And then also just some advice that I think uh, would be very helpful if you're starting over. Because, you know, when you're starting over or you feel like you're starting over, usually it's because you're not feeling super great about the direction that your life is going and what's happening in your life. And that can be a really, really scary place. I can tell you. And if you're in that situation, I know how scary that can be because, like I was saying, I've been there before. Um, and when you're in your 20s, if you're in your 20s and that's happening, it's probably not as scary. But as you get older um, in your life, it gets it gets scarier and scarier, um, in my opinion. So anyway, so these are some tips and some keys to starting over, regardless of what age you are. Um, although this really is geared for people who are over sort of 35 uh, people in that in that Gen X um, decade of which I am. Um, so let's get rolling. So the very first thing I think is really, really key is to write a personal manifesto. And I've talked about this before, and I'll put a link into a previous show where I talk about writing a personal manifesto. But really what's what's key about this is to recognize what's important to you in your life and really recognize the rules and the themes of your life and how you choose to lead your life, like what you want to do, what you don't want to do, what's important to you, what's not important to you. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that because I already did a podcast on that, but I'll link um, in the show notes to it so you can check it out. So the very first thing is to have a personal manifesto and it's really like a guide for your life. So you kind of know which direction you want your life to go in. The second thing uh, is something that I'm just flat out stealing from James Aldacher because I read him talk about it this morning. And that's about thinking about your life in themes. So like, what's the theme of your life? Are you here to help other people? Are you here to make a lot of money? Are you here to have a great family? Like what, what are the different themes in your life? 
And I find that these themes can often be situations or themes that occur um, simultaneously with other themes um, or, you know, you sort of have one theme and then you get to a different part of your life and that theme ends and you start a new theme. Like I can tell you from my early twenties, I was all about making money. So making money and getting my career launched was my main theme. My theme was career. It really wasn't relationships. It really wasn't, you know, quite honestly, it wasn't health. It wasn't friendships or anything. It was all about, okay, how do I accelerate my career? What do I need to do for my career? That was my theme. Um, Once I started having kids in my mid thirties, my theme really became more about family and being immersed in family. And what can I do to um, really make sure that I was protecting our family and, and making sure that, you know, I was helping our family thrive. So that was a theme. And as I'm getting into my mid forties, I mean, I'm 47. So Jesus, does that make me, does that make me in my late forties? I'm going to just keep saying that that's my mid forties. So we're going to just going to stay with that. We're going to say it's mid forties, even though I'm 47, but as I'm in this um, age, I'm starting to think more and more about the next 30 years and what am I doing over the next 30 years? And so I'm really in sort of a, a planning and a, uh, a resetting of my life theme. And my life is pretty good. I've got a great marriage. I have great, great kids. I enjoy what I do. Um, but it's all about kind of resetting all of my previous and past expectations and figuring out really what the next stages. So think about living your life in a theme. And sometimes themes will last a day. Sometimes they'll last a couple of years. You never know, but it's a, it's kind of an interesting way to look at living your life. Um, another thing to do when you're thinking about starting over. And again, this entire list, there's no order in this list. This is like a complete stream of consciousness that I kind of came up with this morning that, um, things that have worked for me. And, and, and I think that will work for you. So another key in starting your starting over is to immerse yourself in a new type of exercise. And I know that seems, it might seem kind of crazy because there's nothing necessarily to do with the long-term direction of your life, but in many ways it kind of does, right? So try and go do something new. Now, like I'm not telling you, you should go buy a pair of running shoes and go run 50 miles today but try something new. Like, and this is what I found when I started CrossFit. Um, and I think this is what you would find if you started, you know, if you've never been to a yoga class and you went to a yoga class, you're just going to meet a completely different culture and you're going to meet completely different people than you typically would in your normal life. So if you're a person who, you know, goes to a gym or goes to a personal trainer or just likes to run and all of a sudden you start taking, you know, you take up boxing or you take, you take up jujitsu you're going to be around a completely different community. And when, and I find that when you're around a different community, you'll, you'll start thinking a little differently. You'll be exposed to some new ideas and you'll be exposed to some, some things maybe you hadn't thought of previously. And it really can open, open your eyes a little bit and enlighten you in some way. So I would recommend immerse yourself in a new type of exercise, pick something you've never done before, pick, pick something that maybe scares you a little bit. Um, you know, I talk about CrossFit a lot, but I, I will tell you that when I first started, I was scared out of my mind. I was, you know, frightened to go in there because um, it felt so intimidating. And now it's, you know, it's like, it's my second home and it's my second family. So just try and see if you can immerse yourself in a new type of exercise and see what kind of changes that brings to you and try it for 30 days and see what happens. 
The fourth thing is to, as you're starting over, is to drink less booze. Okay, so whether you're a big drinker or not, I find that, you know, drinking drinking just tends to cloud your mind. And it, it doesn't just cloud your mind when you're drinking, you know, that night or that day. It's usually the after effects last for a couple of days. So look, I'm not telling you to give up your weekend beers and I'm not telling you to stop drinking wine during the week. What I'm saying is just drink less, drink less. Maybe your, maybe your, your mind will open a little bit more if you drink less and more opportunities will start presenting themselves. This, this whole thing about starting over really is about seeing the opportunities that are available to you in, in life that oftentimes are hidden in plain sight. And it's all about getting your, getting your, just getting your head, you know, <laughs> just getting your head awake and waking, waking up and figuring out what that stuff is and seeing it, seeing it clearly. I think drinking less booze will, will help you. The fifth thing is to drink more water. So this one's easy. Just drink more water. It's better for you. It's healthier. You'll, you'll feel better mentally. You'll be more mentally alert. It's just, this is a simple one. I'm sure you've heard a thousand times. So I'm not going to deliver the, uh, belabor the point. Just drink more water. Six. This one's a little bit more difficult. Forgive yourself for past mistakes. So this one is really, really tough when you're starting over. Cause typically when you're starting over, you're coming from a, from a place of fear or regret or shame or something along those lines. Um, and I can tell you, so I'm taking a drink of water. I can tell you from my own personal experience, this one is really, really, really difficult for me because in uh, sort of the economic collapse, and I've talked about this before, but the economic collapse of like 2008, 2009 through 2011 or whatever it was, um, you know, we, I lost almost all of my savings. I would say, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. I lost all of my savings and I had built up a pretty, nice nest egg in a, in, in a, in a, in the hopes of buying a house. And we live in San Diego where house prices are just out of control. You know, you spend $800,000 to live in a house, the size of a VW bug. Um, so in, during that, during that time when things were financially really, really rough and marriage was rough and just things were just rough. Like the Patriots lost the Super Bowl two times between 2007 and 2011, which is brutal. Right. Um, I'm, you know, you, it's 2017. I'm still recovering from some of that stuff. And it's, it, it would be very easy for me to just continually dwell on those past mistakes because they really set us back, you know, 10 years, five, 10 years. Um, and that's tough. It's tough. It's, it's very difficult to forgive yourself for past mistakes, but it's very, it's also very difficult to start starting over if you don't. So at some point you have to forgive yourself for past mistakes. Um, so whatever you can do to do that, I would say, I would really highly suggest that you make that a top priority. It was something that was really important for me to do. I still struggle with it. So in many ways, I'm somewhat of a hypocrite in telling you this because it's not something I've, I've completely solved either, but the ability to forgive yourself for past mistakes, the ability to give compassion to yourself, the ability to love yourself, the ability to accept you for who you are, where you are right now in your life is, is key. You, you really can't start over without that. And you really can't really find true happiness without that. So start forgiving yourself for past mistakes. However, you can do that. Okay. Number seven is to determine what you want out of life and then also determine what you need. So 
these are, they sound very similar, right? So they sound super similar. What do I want? What do I need? It's kind of interchangeable. People think of them interchangeably, but here's the deal. Like I want a Bentley. I want a trip to Hawaii. Like I want a $2,000 custom surfboard. I need my daughters to love me. I need my wife to love me. I need to feel good about what I'm doing in the world. There's a huge difference between the two. A lot of the things that you want are a lot of times could be material things. Sometimes they're experiential, experiential things. Um, but your needs think really deeply about what you need. Like what, what are the absolutes in your life that you just need to exist that make life worth living? So this is, um, you know, if you look at Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs, and he talks about this as well, but I mean, just to break it down easy, the simple way to look at it is like, what do you need and what do you want? And really focus on the things that you need first. So you may want a big house and you may want a super nice car, but what you really need is a happy family and you need strong relationships with that family. So figure those things out, write those down, put those in your personal manifesto. Okay. Number eight is to find your inspirational examples. So find people in your world who inspire you and look to them and see how they did it and see what they're doing. And so like, I'm not just talking about the Michael Jordans, the Oprah Winfrey's, the Tony Robbins, the Elon Musk's of the world, um, the Barack Obama's or whoever, you know, whatever political person, you know, you respect, you know, I'm not talking about people who, um, you know, might be somewhat untouchable and not, not people that you're going to be able to get in, you know, um, be able to talk to on a regular basis. Think of the inspirational examples that are actually in your life. People you think who are just getting it right. So I know in my world, there's a guy who walks around um, in front of our office a lot. His name is Mike. I see him at coffee all the time. He runs his own business. He's always with his grandkids. He, you know, I saw him and his wife at dinner a few months ago and they're holding hands. I know his son pretty well. And um, I see how much his son loves him. And, and like that to me is an inspirational example. This is a guy who, you know, makes decent money. He surfs a ton. He's in good shape. He always has a smile on his face. He's always reading a book. He's always got time to talk at coffee. And he's always, you know, he gives, gives his advice freely. And I look at that and I say, you know what? It's, you know, when I'm Mike's age, I'd like to be like Mike. Hey, be like Mike. Be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Um, so find your inspirational examples. Start looking around and saying like, okay, who inspires you? Um, and the inspirational examples kind of work in both ways, right? So it's look for people who inspire you, but then also you're going to trip over a lot of people who are like, you're like, wow, I never want to be like that. You know, you'll see, um, and, and this is the way I feel when I'm in, um, you know, when it's towards the end of my day and if I'm just running around town and I see someone who's in like business casual clothes on a hot summer day and is wearing dress shoes and dress socks and pants and a belt and a button down and they're just walking around and they've got a briefcase and they look kind of harried and they're <clears throat> just kind of walking down the street really fast or whatever. Like I look at that person, I'm like, God, I never want to be like that. Or if I'm ever in that situation, I hope I get out of it soon. Um, because I remember, you know, when I first started my career, <clears throat> excuse me, in New York and I used to have to cold call in New York, which is going door to door, trying to sell stuff, trying to sell long distance. If you can imagine that. 
I remember being in a suit and I remember wearing dress shoes all, everywhere. And I remember thinking, wow, this is like the most uncomfortable I've ever been. Like my belt was too tight. My socks itched. My sh- shoes weren't comfortable. I hated wearing a button down. I was soaked in sweat because it was, you know, 90 degrees in New York City when this was all happening. And I never wanted to be that anymore. And, and I'm lucky in the sense that I'm not. So, um, so I might be getting a little bit off track, but I think that that's the key is to find your inspirational examples, both of who you want to be and then also who you don't want to be. Okay. Number nine, it's very important to realize that motivation is internal. Okay. It is not external. So for any of you who've ever played sports, played an instrument or had any kind of teacher um, kind of hammering over you, trying to motivate you, what you have to realize is that motivation is internal. It is, it comes from within you. Nobody can put it in you. And because of that, it's important. It's, it's crucial actually that you actually connect your motivation to a goal that you want. So you want to connect to something that you want because otherwise it's not going to work and you're not going to be motivated to, to, you know, no one can put that motivation in you. So what I mean by that is if you're working at a dead end job in a cubicle doing, I don't know, data entry for a company, right. And your boss, you know, is like, Hey, I need you to stay an hour late tonight. If you're not connected with that job and you're not fully motivated by that job, that extra hour is going to be pretty painful, right? Because you're really not going to enjoy it. When your motivation is internal and it's connected to something, a goal you really want, you'll find it's way easier to go to work and it's way easier to do what you want to do. Here's a great example. Um, One example I think that works is that I am motivated personally to help people, to coach people and to help people change their lives and to help people, you know, bring out their inner hero and all that other stuff that sounds super cheesy when you hear it, but it's something I truly believe, uh, you know, that we all have a hero and it's dying to get out and it's just trying to get out. Like that's my motivation is to help people do that. Right. So in a goal, in, and one of my goals is to really grow and expand my coaching business. So my motivation and my goal are completely aligned and completely connected. So it makes it easy for me on a Saturday morning at 8.30 in the morning to come in the office and record a podcast for you guys because I'm stoked to do it. I'm super excited to do it. I don't even think of it as work. Um, I'm, just, I'm just doing it. Um, it's very easy for me to take advantage of my motivation because I'm, because my goals are sort of aligned around my motivation. Now, if I was motivated to help people and do all these other things, and I was a, a dentist, you know, that, that they just wouldn't connect, right? Because one person wants to help people grow in a, in a personal growth, personal development, personal leadership way. And the other person is fixing teeth and making people better. And I'm not saying there's good, I'm not saying that that's bad. That's actually super good. Um, but it's also important that you are able to really connect your motivation to your goals. All right. Number 10. And this kind of goes along with that. And that is to think of your career and think of what you do 
Um, think about how you think about it. So do you think of it like work or do you think about it as something you were meant to do? Now, what I'm not going to do is throw out these typical platitudes of like, do something you're passionate about or do, you know, only do what fills your heart. I mean, I think that those have some place, but, but really like the way I like to think of this is Bill Belichick, who is the head coach of the New York, uh, the New England Patriots, um, you know, and he's won five Super Bowls, but probably best football coach in the, in the history of the league. Someone asked him recently, cause he was, I think he's turning 65 or something. And they were asking him about the long hours and how he never, you know, he only has a couple of weeks of vacation a year and how he enjoy it, you know, how he, how he just puts his all into, into coaching. They said, you know, well, what do you think about that? And he said, he said, look, it beats working. And what I thought was really illuminating about that was like, this is a guy who's insanely successful, works insanely hard and is really seen at the top of the game, top of his game. And yet he doesn't even think of it as work. He thinks of it as like, I get to do what I, what I enjoy doing and I'm really, really good at it. So I would challenge you to, to, to think like that, to think like, okay, what are the things that you could do where you would say, wow, this really beats working for a living. And, and maybe you're not there yet. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, but hopefully you get to a point where you can actually say that. So start thinking like that. Like what are the things you could do where you could say, Hey man, I'm so stoked. It's Monday. This is fantastic. You know, this really beats, this really beats working. That, and I don't know if you can hear that in the background. That's my daughter texting me. <laughs> and so funny. Okay. So number 11, find support and find some role models. So while you're doing this, and this kind of goes around, goes back to that inspirational example. So find some support, whether it's people from home, uh, someone in your family or somebody nearby, find some role models that you can go and talk to about what you're doing and people who can give you actually helpful advice and people who have done it. Um, Maybe they're, they're successful in a different way than you are, but you can kind of model what they've done. So it's really important that when you're starting over is to really find that support. You know, a lot of times if you're married or you're in a relationship that should come from your spouse, you should be able to say, Hey, you know, geez, I can't stand my job. I hate this. I think I'm going to do this instead. You know, what do you think? And, and hopefully, you know, if you're um, in a, in a, good relationship, that person will support you. But either way, you, you have to have support when you're starting over. You have to have some role models when you're starting over. So make sure you have those. Along those lines, number 12 is to cut the wrong people out of your life. So I think this is, in, I think this is crucial. I think you have to take the people who don't support you. They need to be gone. Um, and I don't think that it has to be as dramatic as you calling them up and saying, like, look, I don't think you support me anymore, so I don't want you in my life. Um, I think there's other ways to do it, but I think it's really important that you spend as little time as possible with people who don't support you because clearly they're, they're not, you know, it's hard enough to start over and they're not going to make it any easier if, you're, if you've got people around, you've got the wrong people around you um, while you're doing it. And there's a very easy way to determine whether or not someone supports you. And that is to look at that person or look at their name in your phone or whatever and think about and think about them and say like, are they legitimately happy and legitimately supportive of me no matter what I do? Most of the time when you do that, it becomes either a yes or no answer. 
like I had front, I had lunch with my friend Dan the other day, who's invested with us and, and is also just a great guy. And I, I really enjoy spending time with him. And I know like, as an example, like he's happy for me no matter what. So any successes that I have in my life, he's happy for. If I were to say, look, man, I'm going to go be a basket weaver um, in India, he'd be stoked for me. If I said, I'm going to start being a um, uh, yoga instructor and get yoga certified, he'd be stoked for me. He wouldn't believe me because he knows probably like everyone else in my life knows that I'm probably, you know, when it comes to yoga, I'm horrible at it. And, and um, I know it's not a competitive thing. You're not supposed to be competitive in yoga. I get all that, but you know, it's, it's, it's uh, not something that would be my strong suit, but anyway, so think about people in your life, get the wrong people out of your life and stop, stop uh, spending time with them or spend as little time with them as you possibly can. Along those lines, number 13 is to stop sabotaging yourself. Okay. So when you're starting over, it's really key that you think about all these things. But one of the first things you have to do is to stop sabotaging yourself. So before you can really develop a plan and figure out what you stand for and what you want and what you need, you got to stop digging the hole, right? So like the first, first, you know, the old adage of like, you know, when, when you're, when you're stuck in a rut and you're stuck in a hole, like what's the first, you know, what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is stop digging, stop making it worse. So whatever that means in your life, um, work on stop doing it. And I'm, and I think that for each one of us, that means something, uh, it means something different for me personally, sabotaging myself means is, is kind of like when I'm, staying up way, way too late and I'm getting crappy sleep and I'm eating really bad and I'm eating a ton of sugar and I just don't care and I'm acting like I just don't care and I'm not really treating myself with any self-respect. That's my, that's how I sabotage myself. So some people will drink, some people will smoke, some people will, you know, eat poorly or whatever, whatever your thing is, recognize what it is and do what you can to stop sabotaging yourself. That's the first thing in starting over. You got to be, you got to be able to do that. Number 14, this is one I just started and I'm starting to really dig it. And it's, it's called, um, so this is called what I want you to do is start a habit tracker. So what a habit tracker is, is just a simple way to track your habits you can do this in a bullet journal system, which is just something that I just started doing. And I'm going to show up, I'll, I'll post online kind of how I'm doing it and you'll see, but basically it's something where you list things that you want to do every day or every week. And then you just check off when you've done them. So one of them, just as a simple example, could be like, you know, brush your teeth, right. And you check off that you did it yesterday and you check it off that you did it today. And then you check off, you do it tomorrow. And so you start seeing a chain of events of things that you've you've accomplished. And what, what happens psychologically and subconsciously is you just really don't want to break that chain. So one of, one of mine that I'm going to start is no eating sugar after eight o'clock at night, um, because I've got, because I'm a complete Toblerone slut. Don't tell anybody that. Um, and you can track it. So you can say, okay, I didn't eat it. I didn't have any sugar last night after eight, then the next night. And you just don't want to break that chain. So start a habit tracker. I'll show a little thing on that, um, on the, um, on the show notes. So that's the one, uh, that's number 14, number 15. This one's a bigger one, but to get a handle on your money. So when you're starting over is figuring out how to get a, just get a handle on your money. So spending less than what you make, 
um, putting some money away in savings. It's a totally different topic that I'm not going to get into here, but just it's important as you're starting over to do whatever you can to get a handle on your money. Okay. Number 16, um, I read this in a blog post by, I can't remember the guy's name, but the site is Life Without Pants, which is a pretty cool site. It's a great name, first of all. And it's uh, it's just also a pretty cool site. I like, I like what the guy has to say. I think his name is, uh, I can't remember his name, but anyway, I think it's Alan. Um, but anyway, it's to find work and then find work you love. So I think the key is when you're starting over, you have to recognize that like, you may not be able to do really what you want to do because you have bills to pay and you have a family to support and, and what have you. But so just get work, right? So whether it's staying in your current job or getting something new that pays the bills, find that work, but then actively look for working or, or actively look for work that you love and that you really want to do. So one of my, one of my very good friends, I'm not going to say his name cause I'm sure he's probably listening is just recently was downsized from a real estate tech job several months ago and really, you know, mid 30, mid thirties, not super sure he was, what he, uh, what he wants to do with his life. And he ended up taking a job at another real estate company. Um, in the meantime, really just to, just to kind of pay the bills and, and really actively start looking for really what he wants to do. And I thought that was pretty smart. Like, I think it's smart to be like, okay, like, look, I'm going to go do this for a year while I'm making money and really spend that year in my off time, figuring out what I want to do and finding work that I love. And I think that that uh, is a you know really smart move by, by my friend. So find work and then find work that you love. And, you know, and this is if you're unemployed or, or you have the ability to do so, do that. Okay. Number 17 this is a this is an interesting one for me, but I think that you really really have to realize that you know even if you're in your forties, realize that you have plenty of time left to change everything, but then also realize that you got to start now, right? So so think about that in the sense that if you're in your forties, you know you're probably going to live until you're eighty five. Right. I'm just making the math easy and totally stereotyping and totally generalizing. But let's say you're going to live to say you're 45 and you're going to live to your 85. Right. So you have a ton of years left and say the last 10 to 15 years are going to be spent in retirement. So you've got a good 20 or 30 years left of work, of meaningful work and um, building a nest egg that you can do and and really, you know, contributing to your family over that time. So you have plenty of time. So this isn't like you're 75 and starting over, you know, that's probably a different podcast and that's something I have zero experience in. So I probably won't ever, <laughs> probably won't ever talk about that, but it's important to realize that you've got plenty of time left, but then also realize that like, look, you're not in your early twenties anymore. So you got to get started. You got to get rolling now. So just know that you've got plenty of time but then also the time to start is now. Don't wait. If you can avoid it, don't wait. Just get going now. Number 18, which aligns with this, is to start with a ridiculously small step. So how when you're starting over, it's such an enormous task, right? And it's this enormous thing that you're like, oh my God, I want to start over in life. Like It just sounds insane in terms of what you have to do, right? So... 
what I would suggest is to start with an incredibly easy step. So the, and one of the easiest steps I could suggest to you would be to buy a journal, buy a uh, dot journal. So a journal that's got like little dots in it that you can write with. I'll, I'll link to that. I'll show you the ones that I use. Um, I use a, a journal by Rodia. Just buy it. Go on Amazon, buy a journal and start writing out, you know, maybe start with your habit tracker Maybe start doing a bullet journal, um, maybe start journaling every morning, but do, 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 that is something that could take you literally two minutes to do on Amazon and it'll get you going in the right way. So start with an incredibly small step. And so that's the key is like, if you think of this, and I read this recently where like, think of like the very first step is like a small domino, right? And then. The next domino is a little bit bigger. So maybe the small domino is you buy a journal. Maybe the next domino is that you spend 10 minutes a day writing in it, right? The next domino is that you start a blog and that's a little bit bigger. And then the next domino is you start, you know, you write a program. And then the next domino, which is a little bit bigger, is that you start selling that program. So everything starts with a really, really small domino. And then eventually you're able to, to knock all the, you know, knock down the biggest domino possible because you started with the smallest, with the smallest domino. So think of that and start with a ridiculously small step. It's something I think would be very valuable for you. The next thing is number 19, which is super easy is to read medium every morning. I love this site. Uh, I read it on my iPad. You can custom make, um, you know, the news that you want or the topics that you want to read about. And the, the cool thing about medium is it's not just a, um, news app in many ways, it's not a news app. Um, it's something where it's, it's a news reader where it's got everything in it. The layout is really cool. You can follow people, you can follow publications. So, and I'm not getting paid to say any of this. And if anyone at medium is watching or is listening by all means, uh, I want you guys to know how much I love it. It's the first thing I read every day. It's one of the last things I read at night. It's just fantastic. And you get all your, you can get your news, any different topics, but I'll tell you like on mine, I've got, you know, I follow certain sports blogs, but then I also follow a ton of personal development, personal leadership blogs. The, the really cool thing about Medium, I think, is that at the very top of the page, they tell you how long of a read something is. So it'll say two minutes or it'll say eight minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is. So you kind of know what you're getting into before you start reading, because I don't know about you, but like if you've ever been in a situation where you start reading something and you're like, my God, this thing goes on forever. And you know, you're in line at a coffee shop and you just don't have time to finish it. Or conversely, you know, you start reading something and it's awesome. And then it just, just all of a sudden, all of a sudden ends, you know, that's also kind of a bummer. So that's one of the cool things about medium is you can really customize it. But then also I think more importantly, it tells you how long each read is. So read medium every morning, and for the people who run Medium, I love you guys. You're fantastic. I love what you're doing. It's just awesome. Okay. Number 20, and I've got 27, so we've got seven left. Number 20 is to start every week with a plan. So if you are starting over in whatever area of your life, start with a plan. So what are you doing that week? I like to do my planning Sunday night. I like to do it Sunday night. So I go into Monday kind of knowing what I'm doing. And my method is really, really simple, right? So most people have some type of to-do list. Like you've got your, you know, I use Wonderlist. I might have 
50 to 80 different tasks on a regular basis in there that are sort of jumbled together. But in my journal, I separate it by days and I don't put any appointments in it because appointments tend to change all the time. But what I do is I put the three most important things that are going to move my life forward that I can work on that day. And I learned this from Alan Weiss a long time ago, and it's called the concept of move a mile. So what three things can you move a mile? So, and those are the three things that I focus on for that day. So recently when we were changing all the podcast stuff and all the artwork stuff, one of the things to move my business a mile was to get all of the podcast stuff done, right? So there might've been 20 different tasks that was associated with it, but that was my big rock for, you know, Stephen Covey-ish. Um, that was my big rock for this past Thursday was get everything possible I could get done on that side. Another one was um, uh, reviewing uh, everything in our coaching funnel and what I want to be doing with our coaching funnel and having that set up. So, and these things are, these are things that like, you know, are, if I get nothing else during done during the day and I get these three things done, I'm pretty stoked about it. So, and I have, like you, I have every, you know, I have every other thing, like go to the dry cleaner, go to the bank, get gas, fix my sunglasses, fix my watch. Like there's just a ton of stuff that I have to do. But one nice thing is, is like by focusing on those three things a week, you've got five days a week, it's 15 things a day, or excuse me, 15 things a week, you can really maximize your week. So that's what I, I start with a plan. So start your week with a plan. What are the three things a day that you really want to focus on that would really make you feel like you accomplished something at the end of the day when you're going to bed? And then what you can also do is you pick out three overriding goals for the week. So you've got your three goals a day and then you've got your three goals a week. So you can really track like, okay, what's, you know, what sense of accomplishment do you have from what you did over the, over the week? And it's something that sounds super easy and super simple. And I got to say, it's not, sorry, I'm getting a little drink of water. Um, it sounds easier than it really is. Cause sometimes it's really kind of hard figuring out, okay, what are the three things that would be most impactful for me to achieve this week or, you know, on a daily, on a daily basis. It makes you think about it. It makes you think about your life. It makes you think of what you're trying to do. And I think when you're starting over, you know, that's really important. You really need to know what that is. Okay. Number 21 is to inventory your love life and determine what you want out of it. So whether you're married, divorced, dating, whatever, start taking an inventory of your love life and see See if it is supporting your life and seeing if it and see if it's going to support you starting over. So I'll give you two examples. I've got a friend, uh, TK, who is in a marriage. Um, and obviously with the stuff, I'm not going to say people's names and we'll just sort of give initials um, who really feels stuck in a marriage, doesn't make a lot of money um, and is in an industry that's not a super high growth industry. And you know, for him to inventory his marriage, I think what he would find is like, okay, this is not really filling up his soul and filling up his heart. And I think maybe it would make sense for him to question that a little bit and figure out like, okay, is it, is it something that is really going to support him long-term? And if it's not make some steps to, to deal with that. And if it, if it, 
if it um, if it can be saved, makes you know also figure out the steps to deal with that as well, and figure out like okay, what can you do to save it? On another token, I've got a very good friend named um, well, I'll just call him MN, who you know I work out with and I know him really well, and he's got a thriving marriage, and you can see uh, you know he's around my age and um, a couple small kids and, and you just can look at him and you just say like, you know, you have seen him and his wife together and they're always holding hands and hugging and just in talk in my talks with him, he just seems to be thriving in his marriage, which is really, really cool to see. So I think if he were to inventory his marriage, he would say like, wow, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty stoked. Things seem to be going well. I think it's important that when you're starting over that you really do have that support of your partner, of your spouse, uh, of whoever you're dating, whoever you're married to. So really take an inventory of that and see, see, you know, in what areas is it lacking and in what areas, um, is it really doing well and really, you know, so that you know, going forward as you're starting over, you know, what, who, how you can count on that person and, and, um, and just making sure that they're going to be there for you. So that's, that is, uh, number 21. All right. Number 22, this is something that is so hypocritical of me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I do this all the time, but my advice is to not do this. And that is to stop comparing everyone else's highlight reel to your practice film. So what I mean by that, and I'm going to use an example of, uh, of an example of, of, of what my friend Jen told me once. This is an example of if you're a woman and you see another woman walking down the street and her hair is perfect and she's dressed really nice and she seems to really know kind of what, you know, she seems to be really, really in control of her life. Right. So, and you're in sweatpants and you're in ripped sweatpants and you forgot to brush your teeth this morning and your hair's a mess. And, you know, your kids are screaming in the back and someone just spilled Cheerios and milk all over the car seat, whatever. And you look at you, you will look at that woman and be like, Oh my God, like she just seems to be on it. Like her kids are well-behaved and mine are a mess. And, and, you know, she's all, you know, she's dressed up and I'm in sweatpants that, you know, I'm in these dirty sweatpants and I haven't even taken a shower yet today. It's just difficult. And it's very easy for us to just to always compare ourselves to everyone else. Right. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to stop doing that because what you're, what you do when you see somebody in public, right, you're seeing the best version of themselves at that moment, usually, right? Like they're, they're at least the people you notice you're going to see them at their best. So you don't see them when they woke up and when their breath smells horrible and when their hair's messed up or when they're in sweatpants, like you see them at their best, but you're with yourself all the time. So you see yourself in your sweatpants. You see yourself when you wake up and when your hair's a mess and when, you know, you're not feeling great about yourself. Okay. So stop comparing someone's best output to how you, you know, how you are in your life 24 hours a day, because they probably look like that too. And again, this is just a, an example of on a, on a sort of a super superficial level of somehow someone looks, but it's the same thing when you see, you know, a guy driving a really nice car who seems like he's just kind of got everything together, got his shit together. You're just like, oh man, I wish I could be more like that. And, and really you're seeing them at, you know, to some extent at their best but yet you're comparing it to how you are in the rest of your life. And it's just not fair to do that. So stop comparing yourself to others. We all have our highs and lows. We all have our faults. Um, you know, the richest, smartest people in the world that you know probably have all kinds of other hidden fears and other problems that you don't know about. And, you know, 
it's something to keep in mind that we're all, you know, we're all human beings and there are things that you're probably better at than everyone else is better at. And, and, and that's, and that's, and that's good. Right. And then, so, so just stop comparing yourself to other people because it's just going to drive you freaking nuts. I know it does with me. And so I'm suggesting you, it, you know, you, you stop doing it um, in your life. And, and luckily I've been getting better and better at that. So I don't do that as much anymore, but it still, still happens occasionally. Um, all right. 23. You're starting over. Consider the possibilities, not the limitations. So think about what's possible, not what you don't think will happen or not on the limitations. So don't think about, wow, I'm 40 pounds overweight. I could never run a marathon. Instead say, wow, I could probably run a 5k if I trained hard enough and I'll start there. Think about the possibilities. Think about what's possible in your life and all of the different possibilities you have. And don't worry about the limitations. Okay. They'll work themselves out. Certain things, certain things will work. Certain things won't, won't. Some things you're going to fail at. Some things you're going to be super successful at. But focus on the possibilities of your world. Think about, think optimistically about what could happen. Don't worry about, you know, what you think your limits are. And, you know, and I'll give you my own example. So uh, for those of you who have met me in person, what you'll, you know, like I'm not a super tall guy. I'm probably five, nine, um, which is kind of funny because I love playing sports and it just is really kind of funny because it would be, it would be so much easier in my life if I was taller. But, you know, when I play sports or when I play football or surf or whatever it is, I think I try to think more about what I can do and not what I can't. So if I'm playing basketball, for example, obviously at five, nine and 47 years old, I'm not gonna be able to dunk. Right. That's a limitation. Um, but I don't think about that. <clears throat> I think about the fact that I'm left-handed and I think about the fact that I can always go left. And I think about the fact that I'm pretty good at hitting a three point shot. And I think about the fact that I'm good at playing defense. And I'm, I think about the fact that, you know, the possibility that, you know, I'm a pretty good team player and I like to pass before I like to shoot. So there's all kinds of possibilities that are open to me in playing basketball, even though I'm five, nine, a limitation and that I can't dunk a limitation and that I'm old 47, a limitation. So I think about the things that are possible, not the things that are going to hold me back. So I would say to consider your possibilities, don't focus so much on your limitations. Okay. Number 24. And I realize we talked about that, uh, this a little bit, but just again, realize that you've got a good 30 years left. So no matter where you are, you probably have at least 30 years left. And think about that. That's a long period of time right? That you could basically be born, go to high school, go to college, get married and have your own kid in 30 years. 30 years is enough to reinvent yourself several times. Um, you know, I think there's a ton of stories about people who toiled away at some job. And then when they were, you know, 45, 50 years old, did something different. And that's how kind of how they found their niche. I think Colonel Sanders didn't even really start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was 50 56 or something like that. And, and I know that that's probably a horrible example since I don't really even, I don't even eat chicken and I haven't been a KFC in probably 20 years, but that's the first one popped in my head. So anyway, just realize that you've got about 30 years left. You know, you got to give a good 30 years left. So you have plenty of time. Okay. Number 25. This is something I read from uh, Scott Adams book, 
who is the guy who created Dilbert, um, pretty, in, pretty insightful book. And, and, and um, really what it is, is number 25 is if you're starting over is to determine your talents. So what are you better at than 75% of people, you know, okay. And then ask yourself in your job or in your career or in your world, are you doing, are you doing work that really plays to that strength? Right. So if I'm a really good speaker, right. And I'm, and I'm, you know, just awesome on the stage or whatever. And I was a, I'm trying to think about a good example. I was a, if I was an accountant, okay. Would that be a really good use of my skills? Obviously, probably not. And if I was an, you know, if I was a uh, really good at being an accountant, and I was a dentist, that also would be a problem, right? So think about what you're really good at. What, what are your talents? What are you better at than everyone else? What are the things that people say to you? Hey, man, you should do this a lot. Or you're really good at this. Or you're really good at this. I see these examples. I see these examples in my life all the time. Like I've got um, my oldest daughter is an incredible writer. And she is, you know, she's been published she was published when she was 10. She's getting published again. And anytime she writes something, people tell her, wow, God, you're such a good writer. You know, you really are a good writer. And she's heard it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I think it would be smart for her to really explore that in her life because she's already good at it and she's young and it's, it's something that makes sense for her. So it's something to think about is to figure out what are your talents? What are you better at than 75% of the people you know and really focus on those. Make sure your work is in line with that. Make sure the rest of your life is in line with that um, because that will make the rest of your life way easier if you're able to do that. Okay. Number 26 is to get your morning right when you're starting over. And that is to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And so what I mean by that is I think the morning is probably the most important time of your day. It's that's how you set up the rest of your day. And whether you're a morning person and you wake up at, you know, 5.15, like I do without an alarm clock, or your late riser who doesn't wake up until 11, doesn't matter. Whatever your morning is, get it right and, f- and figure it out. So for me, for example, a typical morning is I drink a big glass of water. As soon as I get up, I have a protein shooter. Um, I don't have food, quite honestly. Like I don't like to eat first thing in the morning. I'm just, I don't like breakfast food. And so I've never liked it. And so I usually feel better when I just have the protein shooter and, and nothing else. And then I'll have a snack mid morning. Um, I'll also check email briefly just to get up, just to get it out of the way. And I know that there's a lot of people out there in the personal development world, personal growth world who say like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't check email. You should spend an hour, um, meditating and stretching and having a great breakfast and doing this and hugging a tree and looking up at the sky. And, and that's all wonderful. But for me, it doesn't work. I have to just check email. So it's out of my head. So I make sure that there's nothing um, crucial that I have to take care of right away. And usually quite honestly, it doesn't take me that long. It takes me like a couple minutes and I'll see, I'll see if there's anything that I have to deal with right then and there nine times out of 10, there isn't. So I go into the rest of my morning a little bit more relaxed. Another thing that I do is before I take a shower, I load up my car with whatever I need. So I put my gym stuff in there I put my computer bag with my stuff in there. I put my sunglasses in there. I put my water bottle in there. I put all that stuff in my car 
um, before I even take a shower. Now I have the luxury of having my car right outside my door. So this is easy for me. If you live in a big city, um, and your car is half a mile away or it's a pain in the ass to get to your car, then this quite honestly is an advice you're going to be able to take. So, you know, sorry about that. But for me, it's great because what I do then is after I take a shower and I get ready, all I'm doing when I walk out of the house, all I have is my keys and my wallet. And it's just easy. There's, I don't have a bunch of stuff loading me down. I can kind of get into my car feeling crisp and clean and ready to roll. Um, I'm not like, I don't have like a nice shirt on that's getting wrinkled because I've got a, you know, my backpack and my water bottle and my coffee and my keys, my sunglasses, my wallet, my gym stuff. Like I'm not carrying, you know, three duffel bags worth of stuff and getting sweaty, walking out to my car doing it. I'm walking out with my keys and I'm walking out with my wallet and that's it. So that, but this is what works for me. So what I'm challenging you to do when you're starting over is to really figure out what works for you to get your morning right and focus on those things. And this, this kind of goes along another line of thinking with everything else. And that is to really like lie, your life, you should be customizing your life as possible and thinking about what works for you and trying a bunch of different things. And the things that don't work for you, don't do them. Like there's no reason to do things if they're not working for you. <laughs> okay. Number 27. And this is the last one. Um, for right now, I'll, I'll probably, uh, have more uh, on more of this stuff as we keep going and please send me comments and questions and other suggestions. But the, the 27 is like, you know, there's so much talk out there about social media and people wasting time and, um, you know, doing things, that, uh, you know, or, or just being on social media and just really like, you know, sort of rotting their brains out while they're on there. And I think that there's a lot of validity to that, but I think that when you're starting over, you know, one of the things that you need is you need some sense of inspiration. You need some sense of drive and, and you got to get it from wherever you can get it. Right. And so 95% of it should be coming from yourself. But I, the way I use social media um, and what I recommend is to give your motivation, a social media boost. So what I mean by that is, so like on Instagram, there are probably 20 people that I follow who are super inspirational to me. They're either great examples of, of, of people doing cool stuff, or it could be as simple as some of those people who put up those success memes and they just say, you know, like, you know, they've got a picture with a, with a quote on it or whatever. But so I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I tried to use social media in that way to really help my life and inspire my life. You know, like I know that people spend a lot of time wasting time looking at pictures of kittens playing with each other. Um, but you can also use it in a way that, helps you when you're starting over. And so that's what I recommend is like, you know what, you know, don't necessarily listen to everyone else and their advice on social media, use it for what, what it works for, for you. I'll list some of my favorites in the show notes and, and send me some of yours. But I, I mean, that's what I do. So like in the morning, if I'm flipping through it or later on in the day, if I'm in line at coffee, I'll just read through some stuff and it'll give me more motivation. It'll kind of like get me kickstarted again. And I think, you know, when you're starting over, you need that. So that's what I would do. And what's what I, what I suggest is give your motivation a little boost with some social media. I use Instagram for that. Instagram for me is the best one to use for that, but you can use sort of whichever one you like. Um, so that's it. So th this has been kind of a longer podcast, but I wanted to knock out some of these things, sort of stream of consciousness. You may have heard some cars and people running um, in the background. You know, when I first started, when I started recording an hour ago, it was really quiet. And now there's a ton of people out running and, getting their Saturdays on. So my apologies for that. But I really, 
Um, I want to say that if you are starting over, you know, don't be afraid to start over. Don't be afraid about what's coming. Don't be afraid about failures and, you know, focus on your, focus on your possibilities, surround yourself with the right people, make sure you understand why you're motivated, what's motivating you, what your goals are, you know, separate your, your needs from your wants. And really it's a time to be excited about your life. You know, this isn't, this isn't several, you know, this isn't the fifties when people worked until they were 50 retired, you know, and then all died when they were 65 and, and 70. This is, you know, we're, we're all living longer. Uh, longevity is a big, is a big thing. We all are able to work in different environments now with obviously the internet and the cloud. Like you don't have to work in a big office. You don't have to wear a tie every day so that your life has a ton of possibilities for it. So when you're starting over, try and embrace those possibilities as much as you can. And I'll leave that here and we'll, we'll do more on this in the future, but I want to thank you all for hanging out on the podcast today and listening. And as always, please call me, email me, um, uh, or message me with any show suggestions, ideas, thoughts, comments, whatever. And if you feel so moved, I super love it. If you could leave a review on iTunes, it, it helps other people find the show. And, um, it's just really cool if you're able to do that. Anyway, have a wonderful day. Thanks for checking in on the show and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the show today. For show notes, event updates, and tons of other free stuff, check out epicalday.com. And if you would, I would love it if you were able to leave a review on iTunes as this really helps other people find our show. Thanks a ton. I appreciate you listening and I'll talk to you soon.